Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you're stepping away from your radio, headed into work, or just headed away for any reason, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. If you just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today and take us with you. You can listen to us whenever you are Ready. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about Detroit's Community Benefits Ordinance, uh, which passed a little more than a year ago uh, during a very controversial campaign where there were two different proposals on the ballot, one pretty aggressive in the way it would have required developers to come up with agreements with communities before they get lots of tax dollars for their developments. The other that was a little more lax, had a very high ceiling uh, before developers would have to do that. Uh, th- that's the one that passed. We're going to talk about what has happened in the year that that ordinance has been in place. Really interesting developments on both sides of the argument, and uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So uh, stay tuned. We'll get to that about halfway through the hour. But first, after 30 years living in America, Jorge Garcia, a 39-year-old father who was living in Lincoln Park, was deported this week to Mexico. Garcia was brought to America by a family member when he was 10 years old. He has a wife and he has two children, all of whom are U.S. citizens. This is what America's immigration system means for many Metro Detroiters are as they wait for Congress to come up with some agreement on comprehensive immigration reform. Congress is kicking off the latest round in negotiations to keep the government running despite a major budget impasse in Washington. And this immigration question is at the center of these negotiations. A lot of lawmakers are pushing for legislation that includes the DREAM Act, which is a law that would codify an Obama-era decision that protected these so-called dreamers from deportation. Meanwhile, right here in Metro Detroit, undocumented immigrants are watching and they are waiting to see what happens. Some, like Garcia, have been deported as they wait for an answer. And others, like one of our next guests, are getting directly involved in the debate. We're going to start the show there today. And of course, we want to hear from you about DACA and the budget uh, negotiations. What do you think should be done about these so-called dreamers, people who were brought here as children uh, through no fault or control of their own, uh, but don't have legal status? Uh, There are a lot of folks uh, in Washington who say, that's too bad, but maybe we ought to maybe we ought to send these people back to the countries uh, from which they came. Uh, a lot of other people, of course, say that would be immoral. And uh, as we saw with Jorge Garcia this week, the 39-year-old father from Lincoln Park, uh, it is wrenching. It is absolutely wrenching to see families split apart, to see someone whose life has been entirely, really, in this country, uh, the only place that he would have known as home, to see him sent away to a place uh, that he that he doesn't know. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number always on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think 
about the deportations that we are seeing here in Metro Detroit? What do you think about the negotiations that are going on in Washington uh, to either halt those deportations or come up maybe even with a bigger immigration reform package, something that uh, that was sort of dangled out there last week before the president's intemperate comments about some countries where immigrants come from. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Call us and tell us what you think Congress ought to do to protect dreamers. Also, also give us a sense of what you think the negotiating points are here. The Republicans keep talking about border security. They keep saying that's the, the, the primary concern that they have Donald Trump says he wants a wall between the United States and Mexico. How far should Democrats go in negotiating with that side? Uh, how far should they give up uh, anything on that side in terms of border security? Should they accommodate talk of a wall along the Mexico border in order to get a larger deal on immigration that would protect lots of people here? I think that's a really important and incisive political question Right now, but we want to start the conversation with uh, Juan Gonzalez Martinez. He is a student at Wayne State University. He is uh, one of the dreamers, a recipient, a beneficiary of the Obama era rules that protect people who were brought here as children from deportation. Uh, and uh, also with us oh. is uh, Neeraj Waraku. He is a reporter at the Detroit Free Press, but has been following this saga pretty closely. Neeraj and Juan, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. Great to be here. Good morning. Yeah. So, Juan, uh, let's start with you. Uh, first, uh, tell us a little about your story, uh, your story uh, coming to um, uh, America, the, 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 the things that, uh, that you remember about that. But, but also, uh, you have become very involved in uh, the debate over, over DACA. You have become very involved in the congressional debate over DACA. And, and, and I want you to tell us about uh, what, you're doing, what you're doing there. But let's first start with your story. Right. Uh, so I don't remember much about the beginning because I was one. <laughs> I was one year old when I came here. Uh, I was born in Mexico. Uh, my father was initially here on a work visa and I have an older sister. So he first got his work visa and came over to the United States and he was you know, didn't watch his little girl grow up for the first five years, wow. four years, give or take. Uh, when he had to go back to renew his work visa, that's when uh, I was born and he had to make the decision. Am I going to leave my family again? Or do I want to want them with me? Mm -hmm. So he made a decision to bring us with him to America and been here ever since. I'm 23 years later now. And I mean, I grew up here as an American. I pledge allegiance to the American flag. And don't get me wrong. I love my, you know, my native country, but I don't know it. The right. way I know America. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that I don't understand, I think, about uh, about uh, dreamers is how you navigate life. So you were here as an undocumented immigrant, how do you, for instance, I mean, you're a student at Wayne State University. How do you get to that space? How do you get the kinds of legal IDs that you need to be able to do things uh, like all the other people who live here in America? Well, DACA was a huge help with that. It allowed me to get a work permit, allowed me to get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. uh, before then, I was always just careful. My parents told me, hey, uh, I mean, keep this, you know, under the ropes. Don't let anybody know what your situation is. 
I honestly wasn't aware of what the impact was until I was in high school when I tried getting uh, my first job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one pretty quickly. It took me about a week uh, as a dishwasher. And on the second day, they asked me for my identification. They asked me for my Social Security card. And when I couldn't provide that, they had to let me go. Wow. And it was you know, very heartbreaking. As a high schooler, I was only 16 at the time. And I was finally realizing the impacts of my, my situation. Uh, did, your, did your parents ever consider going back to Mexico and then trying to come back legally. That's something that I hear people say all the time. Well, why don't you just go back and, and try to fix it as though that would just be an easy thing uh, to do. But but I, I'm really curious about whether that was something that ever came up uh, in, in in your home while you were growing up. When I was younger, I don't recall. I Maybe it did when I was younger, but uh, that process takes a really long time. I mean, my father... As a brother, one of my uncles, that's a U.S. citizen, and he applied for him in 2001, I believe. And just the backlog of cases, they're working right now on cases from the 90s. So it, it's been, you know, 17 years later, and he's right. still in process. Right. That's how long it takes. It takes okay. a really long time. Yeah. And, and the DREAM Act, as you point out, gave you uh, some reprieve. It, it, it allowed you to get the kinds of IDs that you would need to, to, to be here and be here legally and pursue uh, the things that you wanted to do. Yeah, America. the DACA, the DACA executive order did definitely do a lot for me. It, you know, allowed me to get a work permit. Uh, it allowed me essentially to come out the shadows, to not be in the shadows any longer, and that was uh, a real life changing experience and thing for me. I now, you know, I work full time. I go to school full time. I'm I'm definitely using this to my advantage, and I want to keep doing that. But with DACA in, in peril or in danger, it's it's really up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk, uh, talk some about this this uh, activism that uh, you're involved in. You're in, uh, you're working with a group called Michigan United. Uh, you sat in yesterday at uh, at Debbie Stabenow's office, uh, U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. Uh, talk about how that has gone uh, and what you guys are are asking her to do. We're we're demanding her support for her to stand up and be bold. Uh, she mentioned that. Uh, well, her staff did that. She wants. She kind of spreads blame to the other side of the aisle, and they, they do have a huge responsibility in this part. But we want her to stand up and be bold for us. We don't want her spreading any blame. We want her to take initiative, take some responsibility, and be held accountable and be able to stand up for us. I mean, power can seize nothing without demand. So mm-hmm. that's what we're doing now. We're demanding for our leaders to represent the voice of the people. And and in your mind, that would mean so. So one of the things that's been reported in the last couple of days is that uh, the Republicans have put on the table, you know, some sort of compromise with regard to to Dreamers. In your mind, what's the what's the acceptable compromise? Like, what are the things that you think uh, Democrats should be able to negotiate with with Republicans to get this uh, to get this situation resolved? Um. First and foremost would be protection for all the dreamers. That's, you know, priority number one. And it would be not vilifying my parents just for trying to provide for their family, for trying to feed us. I mean, my father grew up in Mexico and been working since he was about six years old. So he realized that for him to be able to feed his family, for them to be able to receive a quality education, he would have to come to America. And that and he did whatever it took to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do, when, when people try to separate the issues that surround you and and the issues that surround your parents uh how, how does that make you feel do you feel like there should be a different standard for them than there is for you no 
Of course not. They were the original dreamers. Yeah, we might be calling ourselves dreamers now, but they were the original ones. They were the ones who paved the way. And the reason I'm, I work so hard and you know, do what I do is because they taught me how. They taught me the way and you know, the ropes, one yeah. would say. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones if you want to join the conversation. My guest is Juan Gonzalez Martinez, a student at Wayne State University, uh, someone who benefits from the executive order that shields dreamers, people who were brought here as young children uh, and are still undocumented. It shields them from deportation. That is at the center of budget negotiations in Washington right now as we face a possible shutdown of the government if they can't come to a deal. We also have Neeraj Waraku on the phone. Uh, He's a reporter at the Detroit Free Press, has been covering this issue here locally in Detroit covered the deportation of Jorge uh, Garcia, uh, a 39-year-old father who was living in Lincoln Park, was deported to Mexico this week. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or if you go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today will work you in the conversation. Uh, Neeraj, uh, I, I want to rope you into the conversation here with the hook yeah. being this deportation uh, that you that you covered for the for the free press. Uh, this is something that that um, we're starting to see a little more of. Uh, I feel like uh, locally here that that the the consequences of uh, of these impasses in Washington, the consequences of the tougher stance that the Trump administration has taken on uh, immigration is starting to affect families in Metro Detroit. No, that's definitely true. Uh, you're seeing an increase. Uh, you're hearing it in places like Southwest Detroit. Um, you know, Jorge had been living in America uh, for 30 years, um, and he was allowed to stay repeatedly until November when ICE told him you have to leave. They initially told him he had to leave the day after Thanksgiving but he was able to at least get a reprieve until after the holidays so he can spend it in the holidays with his family. Um, last year, I wrote another story, another case, a guy had lived in the United States for almost 20 years, um, no criminal record, um, was a business owner, was contributing to places like Southwest Detroit, and they deported him too. And so you're seeing these cases where in the past they would give him discretion, allow them to stay, um, but not any longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh when did you get a chance to talk much to to Jorge and his family? Yeah, yeah. the night before um, we spoke, I was at the at a home where I spoke with uh, Jorge and his wife, and we spoke at length about uh, their case. I mean, they were devastated uh, um, about what had to happen, and uh, uh, you know, it's also very painful for the children. You know, there's a lot of children now of these immigrants are being deported. Um, so emotionally it's tough and also financially, you know, one of the ironies is this, these deportations can actually end up leading to more things, things like welfare or putting people in assistance because they're not going to have a, you know, a father, uh, helping them. Um, so it, it can even put more people into poverty or put them on, uh, you know, on government welfare programs, which you think would be the opposite of what conservatives want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We got a lot of folks who are eager to participate in this conversation. Let's go to Alvaro in Detroit. Alvaro, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to get the chance to call in. Um, 
I uh, I came to the United States originally when I was four years old uh, from Ecuador, and um, and so this and was originally a recipient of DACA when I first came, mm-hmm. and so this is a situation that's pretty close to me. And and talk about how you're feeling about these negotiations then in Washington. Uh, it, it's a policy discussion for them, but for you, it must be quite personal. Yeah, yeah, and it is very personal. And, um, you know, when I hear on the news of people uh, talking about, you know, the sort of immigrants that they do want coming, and I cannot, and if I had to, um, you know, try to rationalize what, people say about um and why people are against it you know it seems to be that uh that you know maybe immigrants from these countries or you know uh like i said like i i came from south america and um and we aren't normally uh you know i guess a preferred um you know group to be coming from but you know we came here and uh and you know my mother had put herself through school again and to become a nurse and we and um and i'm going to wayne state university right now and my sister is at uh at the university of michigan and so it's not i think um and i think that when a lot of people think about that they don't realize the sort of opportunity that people are coming over and we and you know, my parents had talked about how they really did give up their lives to to get to the United States so that they could provide better for us. And now we are, um, you know, trying to work hard and we're trying to, you know, secure a future for ourselves as right. well. Right. Uh, Alvaro, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, and I really uh, empathize with with the situation that uh, that you're facing. I hope it turns out. Uh, to be uh, not a traumatic uh, set of experiences. Uh, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to John in Shelby Township. John, welcome to Detroit today. Well, thank you for uh, for allowing me to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were immigrants, mm-hmm. and they came legally. Mm-hmm. I have many first cousins in Europe, and uh, my father came here. Uh, my dad would be 107 years old. So he came by himself with his two brothers and uh, no shoes on their feet, no education. Um, they now have uh, grandchildren that are doctors and lawyers. That's mm-hmm. the promise of America. Right. It's a hard situation when people come with nothing, and I know, uh, and want something better. Right. But it has to occur legally and orderly, or they, there is no nation. Every nation on earth that has sovereignty has mm-hmm. to have rules. So, John, and, so John, I, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying, and, and you know, I respect the rule of law as much as anybody, but I think you can't have that conversation in a vacuum. I mean, this is a country that from 1790 through the mid-1960s had immigration laws that discriminated against countries where people were brown or black, that, that purposely said it was going to be harder for people from uh, Africa or people from Latin America to come to this country than your ancestors. So, you know, uh, th- th- that's an incredible unfair advantage that your ancestors were given. Uh, and and it's great that they were able to come here legally and and to, to you know, immigrate and, and become Americans. But other people weren't given that opportunity. So does it make sense to blame them now for that and to say, well, we didn't accept you. We wouldn't accept you. 
you came here anyway because you wanted the same thing that everybody else here wants. Uh, now you have to be punished. It, let me just ask you this in the same light, if you mm-hmm. allow me to sure. retort. No, go ahead. Uh, I have. I, I worked for some. I came. I came. I and I accomplished something. And I now I as a citizen, I have a house. I have property. Whatever. You don't have it. So that means you can break into my house, take what I have, because you you claim there was a prior uh, discrimination. You can't do it. Well, I don't know that we're saying they should break into what the law doesn't allow to happen. There are channels by which that happens. Now, unfortunately, the children are innocent victims. Yes. And the society did turn a blind eye. I agree when it came to farm workers and uh, when people were hungry for labor. This all stopped when the economy went down, and the blind eye was no longer uh, turned the other way. Yeah. So, John, what, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, given your unfair advantage as an American— uh, how, what, how is my advantage unfair? Well— uh, How am I unfair? Because the my laws were— the, here legally. Because the laws—hold on, John. Because the laws when your parents came here were racist. Okay, they were what? they were what? they were racist. They were they were written to prevent is, other know, people from sign that. This you know this is this is a revisionist uh, view of what occurred. Racist. My parents came here with nothing, no language, no friends, understood, no skills. understood. But other people from other well, countries, they were white. Uh, yes, because they were white. Yes, because we, the, the laws privileged them because they were white. They really go back and read them. Go back and read the Naturalization Act of 1790. Go back and read the Immigration Acts of the 20s and 30s, especially you know, the 1930s. This is, where, this is where I think the society is crumbling today, in exactly that sentiment. Crumbling because, you, because I'm telling the truth about what happened? Today, you can break a law today because you claim... Uh, I'm not claiming anything, John. Of our ancestors. No, no, no. no. I'm not claiming. John, I'm not claiming anything. Go back and read the laws. You're claiming that you allowed the law to be broken today because of the actions of people who were asking. I guess I'm asking you what you think should be done. You think those those people Uh, should continue to be disadvantaged? You ask me, I'm telling you. Go ahead. Uh, We have to, A, number one, we have to have an orderly. We can't just have people charging the borders. It's impossible. And if we do have people charging the borders, then we have chaos. We I, I have agree. people coming and flooding. But you have 11 country. million people here. We have people who have flooded into this country illegally, who have committed a, a variety of crimes. Many people are absolutely most people. I far more, na- far more are Native what, Americans. Are, are law-abiding people who want nothing more than to do well. Yeah, right. And I understand that. Yeah. Believe me, I do. Uh, John, I really, but, I really appreciate the call and the comments. I obviously really disagree with uh, your ahistorical interpretation of this issue, and I think that's one of the big problems here: is that people don't want to talk about what has happened or or be accountable for that side of things. They want to hold uh, immigrants who came here illegally to circumvent racist laws responsible for their actions, but they don't want to hold America responsible for the consequences of that of that bigotry. I think that's a really, really dangerous uh, uh, position to take. But, but again, I really appreciate that you're listening to the show, John, and I do appreciate the comments. Let's go to Liz uh, in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, uh, in response to the last caller, I thought I heard a report yesterday on NPR 
claiming that uh, the laws that were in place when uh, our ancestors came here, I'm a, a white immigrant, as it turns out, um, and the law back in the day was that you just got off the boat. I, that's also true. I mean, there were, there were, there were lots of periods of time uh, uh, there were lots of periods of time when immigration laws were not enforced very strictly against Europeans, uh, whereas they were, uh, you know, in, uh, enforced very strictly against people who came from other continents. I mean, uh, again, you go back to one of the very first acts that Congress ever uh, indulged, the Naturalization Act of 1790, which restricted citizenship to, quote, any alien who was a free white person and had been here for two years. So starting from there, you left out all kinds of people who ended up coming to America and making great contributions and becoming uh, the, the sort of fabric of this country. So, uh, you know, it, uh, it's very frustrating, I think, to try to have this conversation outside that historical context. Uh, and again, I appreciate John listening and calling in, but uh, I don't think we can just let that go. Uh, I appreciate your call as well. Uh, let's go to Tina in Romeo. Tina, welcome to Detroit today. Are you there, Tina? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, my husband came here 20 years ago on a fiancé visa from Mexico, and there was a bit of a wait a couple of weeks, putting paperwork in a couple of months to get it and actually going to the consulate in Mexico. But try it today. It takes years and years to get it, even just paperwork approved. Yeah. It, it, it's not easy. People should go to another country and try it for just a day. And, and see, see what it looks like. the levels and money involved. Sure. Tina, I appreciate that call. Neerish, uh, yeah. one of the things that was true uh, about uh, Jorge Garcia was, I mean, he was not eligible for DACA because he was too old. But my understanding is that he spent years and years trying very hard to correct uh, to correct his immigration status, and it, it just never worked out. You're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, there's this misconception that a lot of these folks aren't trying. Believe me, they are trying. They're and they're up in front with uh, immigration officials. It's not like they're hiding. You know, they're they're putting in applications. They're trying. They're spending somewhat tens of thousands of dollars on legal fees. Uh, there, you know, in another case, there's a Albanian immigrant who's now taken refuge at Central United Methodist Church. Uh, he did the same thing. He was up in front with immigration officials trying to stay. Um, and but they're just this this year, over the past year, the government has said we're not going to make any exceptions. Um, and you know what you were saying earlier is definitely true about the the race-based immigration laws. Uh, they were clearly, uh, you know very specific in what type of immigrants they wanted. Now, it changed in 1965. It did. But the concern is now that they're trying to revert to the pre-1965 era, right, that they're going after Haitians, going after Hispanics and uh, other, and, uh, you know, people from Asia with the H-1B visa program. So it's a, there's a concern that they want to bring it back to the old days when they had race-based immigration policies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Juan, when you hear someone like John talk about his ancestors coming here legally uh, and and yours did not uh, do you do you give any sort of quarter to that that kind of that kind of argument uh, how does that land on your ears it's having a discussion without understanding the context without understanding the history of uh, of the policy that the country has implemented you know throughout its history um, 
we there was even a case of uh Mexican workers that during the Great Depression that were sent back to Mexico and some were citizens and they were stripped of their citizenship because of, you know, the status of the country was in at the time the Great right. Depression obviously, but that's no excuse to be you know removing citizens of a country. Right. That's what we're talking about here. It's understand it's trying to have a debate but without understanding the full picture, the full scope of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's go back to the phones here Kevin in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. You there, Kevin? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my question is uh, on a different note, but uh, kind of the same issue. You know, when, when Donald Trump was campaigning, he talked about this border wall. He was going to force Mexico to pay for it, and it wouldn't cost American citizens a dime. Now he won't sign a bill or anything if it doesn't have uh, funds in it to pay for this border wall. And <laughs> nobody's talking about that. I mean, hell, we weren't supposed to pay for this border wall. Right. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That was a big part of, uh, of Donald Trump's campaign for president. He said that uh, he would get Mexico to pay for the wall. That doesn't seem to be what he's talking about right now and trying to get money for the wall into the, into the budget. I mean, it's, it's one among a many uh, of the things that he said that turns out not to be exactly not to be exactly true, and uh, in, in terms of the way it's been executed, but I'm glad you called to remind me of that. Um, let's go to Marie in Southfield. Marie, welcome to Detroit today. Are you there, Marie? Yes. Uh-huh. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I want to say that um, my grandparents came here from Sicily. Uh-huh. Uh, they came legally. And when they got here, uh, my grandfather's skin was so dark, he couldn't find a job. So he started a very uh, infamous crime ring um, in order to take care of his family. Wow. Now, several, you know, two generations later, do I look Sicilian? No. I, I think that a lot of white people forget that, we lose our ethnicity so quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and things have changed dramatically. I mean, uh, Italians were discriminated against, uh, you know, in, in America when they came here in the 20s and 30s. So were so were people of Irish uh, descent. But but as you point out, the, there was uh, this sort of assimilation that takes place that strips them of of that sort of ethnic nationality makes them Americans that somehow doesn't uh, accrue to people who come from countries that are full of brown or black people, uh, Marie. So again, I really appreciate uh, the call and the comments. Okay, Neeraj Warak, who reporter for the Detroit Free Press, and Juan Gonzalez-Martinez, student at Wayne State University, recipient of uh, DACA. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Great to be here. Up next, it's been one year since Detroiters passed a community benefits ordinance. We're going to talk about what that looks like in practice. Stay with us on Detroit Today.